few years ago, Julie and I and the boys were traveling to East Texas. I was going to conduct a gospel meeting, and the preacher there told me, he had texted me and he said, when you get close, let me know. I said, I'll be looking for you, but let me know when you get close. I said, well, what's close? He said, when you get to Bucky's, when you get to Bucky's, he said, you'll be close. You'll be within 30 minutes. We're traveling east. And so uh, I remember, this has been a few years ago, but I remember getting to Bucky's. That giant, uh, what do you call that? I mean, it's more than a gas station. If you've been to Bucky's, you know that's true. We got there, we got inside, and I sent him a message. And I said, hey, I made it to Bucky's. And I remember his one-word response. When I told him, I didn't know what he was going to say next. Uh, made it to Bucky's, and his response, one word was, awesome. Now, Bucky's is pretty awesome, right? I mean, it really is. I mean, I think that's a fitting word when you get to Bucky's, uh, the word awesome. But is there a more abused or misused word in the English language than the word awesome? We use it for everything. We use it all the time for any number of reasons. I would say that if you and I went back over our lives, there would be days where we would say, you know what, that seems to be a pretty fitting word, the word awesome. I think, uh, you know, Mike and Sheree, 40 years ago yesterday, is that right? Anniversary, 40 years ago. Uh, I don't know anything about that day. I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard much about that uh, occasion but I would say you could go back and ask Mike or Cherie today, was that an awesome day? They say, yeah, that was awesome. Your wedding day, that's a pretty big day for those of us who are married. You go back to the days when your children were born. The days your children were born. The, the twins turned three today, right? They turned three today. We, we remember, a lot of us who are here, we remember three years ago and, and Lexi being pregnant and, and carrying twins and you don't get twins all the time as a congregation born into a, you know, our family here. And, and so that was a great time. It was, it was awesome that, that twins were going to be born. And, and here they are. And we've enjoyed watching those boys grow up. And now they're leading songs. And they're, they're doing such a great thing. That, that's pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing. We would say that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. For those of us who are Christians, you remember the day that you obeyed the gospel? You remember the day that you were baptized and, and what it felt like when you came out of the water? I suppose it's a feeling that we'll never forget. You'll never forget that day. You'll never forget uh, the circumstances leading up to that. And you'll never forget, I hope, that feeling of coming out of the water. And what word would you use to describe it? Well, awesome seems to fit. We use that word, and, and there are certain occasions where we, we know that that word fits better than, than Bucky's. You know, awesome. But what if God uses that word? What if God calls a certain day an awesome day? Well, I, that kind of makes me perk up a little bit. Now, not all translations in Acts chapter 2 and verse 20 are you going to find in your Bible the word awesome. New King James uses the word awesome. Other translations use the word notable or marvelous or glorious. A great and glorious day. A great and marvelous day. A great and notable day. A great and awesome day. That's how the Bible describes that day. Now, what day are we talking about? I appreciate, uh, Brother Allen, a little bit of commentary as to what, what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. And as he mentioned, you've got the prophet Joel talking about 800 years before this prophecy is going to come true. And he says there's a day coming that God says is awesome. It is great and 
awesome. It's great and marvelous. It's great and glorious. And so tonight for a few minutes, let's focus on this day. It's a day that you probably know well. But it is a day that as a Christian, I want to really focus on and think, what would God call an awesome day? Why is this day awesome? Well, let's start with the fact that this was a day that God was waiting for with great anticipation. Again, Joel is going to make a prophecy 800 years prior to its coming to fruition. And yet we know that even before Joel, that this goes all the way back to the beginning, that God has been anticipating this day. The Bible tells us that Jesus was eagerly anticipating this day. If you go back to chapter 1 in the book of Acts, Luke records, beginning in verse number 1, he says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented him alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to what? To the kingdom of God. Pertaining to the kingdom of God. Forty days, this period between the resurrection and the ascension. Jesus, what are you talking about? What are you telling your apostles about? I'm telling them about the kingdom. The kingdom that was about to be established. That's what we find happening on that great and awesome day. Jesus has been anticipating that day. I'm not surprised that he was taking 40 days between his resurrection and ascension. I'm not surprised that he's talking about his coming kingdom. He'd been talking about his kingdom from the time that he started his ministry. What were his first words? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 that beginning in Galilee, he began to preach the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And so Jesus began talking about this kingdom. Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and again the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 16 and verse 19. Jesus has been talking about this kingdom through His whole ministry. He's been looking forward to this day. And now He is going to return back to heaven. The Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 that Jesus purchased the church with His own blood. I'm asking the question as I begin tonight, how much do you think Jesus was anticipating that day? the day that His kingdom would begin, the day that His church would start, and we find and read about in Acts chapter 2, He has been eagerly anticipating this day. That's the day the church started, the church that He purchased with His own blood. Jesus, how much do you love the church? Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Paul says, He loved the church enough to lay down His life for her. A husband ought to love his wife with the same amount of love. That's what we find. Jesus eagerly anticipating this day. And then that love is demonstrated or talked about again by Paul over in Romans chapter 8, where again we find in verses 34 through 39, verse 31, Paul has said, What shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then that great question in verse 35. What then shall separate us from the love of Christ? What shall separate us from the love of God? 
This is God who gave His Son. This is God whose Son was crucified. This is God whose Son was raised back to life. Shall anything separate us from the love of God? No. You see, that's only because of Jesus. That's only because of what He came to accomplish and what He came to do. I'm telling you, this is a day that we're reading about in Acts chapter 2 that Jesus was longingly anticipating. It is an awesome day because Jesus was waiting on this day. He was eagerly anticipating. But He's not the only member of the Godhead who's eagerly anticipating that day. What about God the Father? What does the Bible tell us about Him? Well, think about what goes on that day. You back up to the beginning of chapter 2. And the familiar account there that we understand what took place the beginning of that day. The Bible says, beginning in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, that they were all with one accord in, the, in one room, in the upper room. You've got the apostles are all there. And then the Bible tells us that there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. And there appeared on their heads cloven tongues of fire, cloven tongues as of fire on their heads, and they began to speak in languages which they had never learned. Something big's happening this day. This is a day that the Bible tells us that that's how it started, and then you fast forward through the rest of that day, and the Bible says in verse 41 that about 3,000 souls gladly received their word and were baptized and were added to their number. And then verse 47, the Bible says they were praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What a day. A day that begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, and a day that's going to end with 3,000 souls being saved. That's a day. That's a day the Bible says is awesome, glorious, marvelous, notable. That's a day that we need to pay attention to. That's a day that I think we just need to bring up from time to time, even though you and I, we might have a lot of information regarding it. Now, back up with me. Back up to Luke chapter 24. The Holy Spirit has been poured out at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Who's responsible for that? Well, the Bible tells us this in Luke chapter 24. Jesus says in verse number 46, He says to the apostles, Thus it is written... And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of, catch it, my Father. The promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, with the power from on high. Now, this is, this is before Jesus goes back to heaven, right? In Luke 24, verses 46 through 49. This is after the resurrection. This is right just before the ascension. Go back just before the cross. Go back in your mind to what Jesus was teaching in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. And if you recall, in John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus says... But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send. You see, God the Father was anticipating this day too. God the Father was anticipating this day. He was anticipating the day that the Holy Spirit was going to come and be poured out. And the beginning of the church was going to happen. And so I see this over in Acts chapter 2. 
I see this in verse number 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Was Jesus looking forward to, the, to this day, to the start of the church? Yes. Was the Father eagerly anticipating this day, the day that the church would start? Yes. He was going to send the Holy Spirit. He is anticipating this day. But what about the third person of the Godhead? You think about the anticipation of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a day that the Bible says is awesome. Yeah, they were waiting for this day. The Godhead was waiting for this day. The Holy Spirit predicted this day. Of course, we've seen it in Joel. We'll see it again in just a moment. But the Bible tells us even prior to that, that the Holy Spirit is anticipating this day. I like to go back to chapter 1 and begin in verse 15, where the Bible says that in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number in names was about 120. And he said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. The Bible says in verse 17, For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Isn't it interesting that Peter stands up and he's talking and he says that what David said was actually the Holy Spirit talking. That what David wrote were actually words from the Holy Spirit. That's important for us to understand. So he's quoting here David and, and thinking probably about Psalm 41 in verse 9. And then you continue in verse number 18 where the Bible says concerning Judas, this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of, in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all who were dwelling in Jerusalem, so that field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Again, this is the Holy Spirit riding through David, concerning events that were going to take place in the days of Christ right here before this day. The Holy Spirit is anticipating these events. And so we get to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 14. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and he said to them, Men, and, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this, this, what you hear, what you see, these men speaking in languages that they've never learned, all of you hearing words that you understand from all these different nations, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I've been leading up to this. The anticipation in the mind of God to this day. I do not want to undervalue this day. I don't want to look on this day as just another day. So, I don't want to look at the Lord's church as just another church. I don't want to look and be guilty of the, this being the kingdom of Christ and just lumping it in or throwing it in with anything that man can create. This is a great and awesome day. God was anticipating this day. Why is this such an awesome day? Let me just give you four reasons and then I'll quit. Four reasons tonight why this is a great and awesome day. Just looking at the prophecy of Joel, just looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. This is a great and marvelous day. This is a great and notable day. This is a great and glorious day. This is a great and awesome day because this is the day the Holy Spirit is poured out. This is the first instance we have of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There will be two in the book of Acts. Here and again in Acts chapter 10 with the baptism of Cornelius and his household. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Writer, I love to sing songs about heaven. I'm so thankful for each one of those tonight. I'm thankful we're going to have opportunity, Lord willing, to sing a couple of more. I can't wait to sing about heaven because I can't wait to go to heaven. I love to think about heaven and the opportunity to be with God for eternity. I mean, it just puts a smile on my face whenever I think about heaven. No matter how difficult a day might be, you and I as Christians, we have hope of better days, right? We have hope of going to heaven to be with God. Well, this is a great and glorious day because the Bible says all flesh, all flesh. Now the promise is not just to the Jews. The promise is made to everybody. The Holy Spirit came and was poured out on all flesh. This is a great and awesome day. Peter makes it very aware, makes us very aware of what's going on here and how this day plays itself out. Luke records this for us. And aren't you so thankful that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh? Oh, yeah. We see the, the apostles who would have been coming out of Judaism. We see them. Uh, this Holy Spirit poured out on them. Completely this prophecy is going to make its fulfillment over in Acts chapter 10. But that's what we find. This is a great and glorious day, an awesome day, because the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Well, number two, this is a great and awesome day because not only is the Holy Spirit poured out, but now we see that men begin to speak, that now the Word of God is being conveyed. The Holy Spirit is poured out, and now you have a message being given, and these men are presenting the message of God of salvation to people. This is a great and awesome day because of the message that is given. It's a great and awesome day because Peter's not standing up with the, with the eleven and just uh, spouting off their beliefs. Peter's not standing up there with the eleven and just saying, I believe or I think. He's giving 
the people a message directly from God. That's what we find taking place on this day. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. And so what we see is this teaching begin to take place. God is revealing a message uh, and they're prophesying. They're teaching that message to those that they're around. But the Holy Spirit is poured out, the Bible says, to those regardless of gender. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The Holy Spirit is poured out on those no matter what their age. Young men, old men. You see it? Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. The Holy Spirit is poured out in those days no matter what social status is. My men servants and my maid servants. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon royalty only. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon those with high social status. The Holy Spirit was going to be available, made available to everybody in those days. God was going to use them to reveal His message. Yes, the Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women. Don't let that bother you. In Acts chapter 21, aren't we told that Philip had seven daughters who were able to prophesy? Didn't he have seven daughters who were able to present the message of God? Does that mean that, that he's going to violate or that this somehow violates uh, the teaching of 1 Timothy chapter 2 regarding worship and women usurping their authority? Not in any way. Does that not mean that women could be teaching women? Uh, women could be teaching in certain areas where Christian men were not present? Yes, they had that ability. The Holy Spirit had been poured out and they had the ability to present the message of God. What a great and awesome day taking place. The church was started and we see this prophecy taking place. The Holy Spirit in that day is poured out on all flesh. The prophecy, now they are able to, to prophesy, to teach what God had revealed to them. This is a good day because the Holy Spirit gave words that salvation could be conveyed. A message from God could be shared. That's a great day. What makes it such an awesome day? It's the end of the Jewish system. Now what does that mean? Well, with every end, there must be a new beginning. And when you see an end to the Jewish system... What we see is the beginning of the Christian system. What we see is the beginning of the kingdom of Christ and the law of Christ. Now that's the wording that sometimes gets people just a little bit confused. And you see in verse number 19, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. What's that all about? Well, again, you go back to Joel, you go back to the Old Testament, and you look at different examples where this kind of wording is found, and one of the places that we find it, I'm trying really hard, is Ezekiel 32. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 32, and verse number 2 tells us that this was a prophecy made against Egypt, a prophecy that God is going to make Against Egypt. And then in chapter 32, if you drop down to verses 6 through 8, 
Look at some of the words that are used. God says, I'm going to punish. I'm going to really uh, bring about the destruction, the calamity of Pharaoh and Egypt. And look at some of the wording that's used. Verse number 6. I will also water the land with the flow of your blood, even to the mountains. And the riverbeds will be full of you. When I put out your light, I will cover the heavens and make its stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. All the bright lights of the heavens I will make dark over you and bring darkness upon your land, says the Lord. Literally put out the stars, literally put out the moon, literally put out the sun? No. What I'm talking about is calamity, destruction. I'm going to bring an end to you, Pharaoh and Egypt. I'm going to bring an end to this. You know, Jesus uses the same words over in Matthew chapter 24, very similar words. If you go to Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 29, where Jesus says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Jesus uses a lot of the same terminology. Destruction. An end. And what Joel is looking forward to is a time when the Jewish system was going to be put to an end. By the way, that's exactly what Jesus was anticipating in Matthew 24. The end of the Jewish system with the destruction of Jerusalem and ultimately the destruction of the temple. And so that's what we find Joel looking forward to. This is a great and awesome day. You and I can look at this and we can say, that's the end of the Jewish system. That's the end of the old law. That's the end of the law of Moses, which which ushers in the law of Christ. When did the law of Christ go into effect? This is a great and awesome day because that's what we find. Now let me give you number four. It's a great and awesome day because this is the day that salvation is made available. I love to think about heaven. I hate to think about the price that had to be paid in order for me to think so highly of heaven. But can you imagine going through life without hope? Can you imagine living your life and not having anything to look forward to? Can you imagine living your life and knowing where you will spend eternity is not with God? This is the day. A great and awesome day. Because this is the day that Joel says in verse 21 that salvation is made available to whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So I have two questions. Joel, Peter, who is this Lord? Because I really want salvation. I really want to be saved. I really want to to know how I can have a hold of salvation and ultimately how I can go to heaven to be with God. And he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, that means anybody, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, I've got to know who is this Lord. Well, thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Joel and Peter, for telling us and going on and showing us who the Lord is. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. Pay attention, listen up. Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Listen. For David said concerning, underline it, him. Him who? Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 22. David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Who is the Lord? Jesus of Nazareth. You just let the Bible answer it for you. Who is the Lord? I want to call in the name of the Lord. I want to be saved. Who is that Lord? It's Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 34. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Who is the Lord? Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and and Christ. Who is the Lord? Jesus. Now, understanding Jesus is Lord, Jesus is master, Jesus is the ruler, Jesus is the one in authority, how do I call on his name? How do I call on him? Well, that was the same question, wasn't it? Just happens to be the same question that they were asking in verse 37. Men and brethren, what shall we do? If salvation is found in the name of the Lord, if salvation is found in Jesus of Nazareth, if God has made this Jesus whom we crucified, both Lord and Christ, then how do we call on His name? And the answer is, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul would repeat that over in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, or at least part of it, right? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sin, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, well, here we are still in the beginning of a new year. What I don't want to be guilty of doing, of, uh, doing in the coming year is in any way putting down or belittling a day that God calls awesome. I don't want to be guilty of in any way of saying, I don't want to put value on this that started on a day that God says is an awesome day. I don't want in any way look down upon or, or help others in any way to look down upon the church for which Jesus died. The church that started on a day that God says was awesome. I want to strive every day. I want to strive every day to see the church through the eyes of God. She is not average. She is not just another. This is the day that God anticipated eagerly. And this is a day that I want to look at and think this was a great and awesome day. Because of what takes place. Of what God was anticipating and looking forward to for so long. And I'll tell you what's great and awesome. That church can be the church that you are a part of. That we can do still now the same things that they did 
And we can be a part of that same church. I'll tell you what's great and awesome. Salvation. Salvation in Christ. I just don't want to take it for granted. I just don't want to give no thought, any thought. I don't want to be guilty of not giving that any thought in any day of what I have because of Jesus. It's great and awesome. And tonight, that's what I want you to consider with me. This great and awesome day. You remember that day that you obeyed the gospel? You remember that feeling of coming out of the water? You remember that feeling of knowing that your sins had been washed away? That you had been made whole in Christ? You remember that day and thinking about that now you were added? You're one of those that the Lord has added to His church? Have you lost that feeling? Have you just let that go away? Are you just going through the motions of life? Have you forgotten the great and awesome day? Light the fire and let's get going. Light the fire and let's go. Let's do it. Let's be together. Let's love Him and appreciate what He was looking forward to on that day. He anticipated that day. You and I have the blessing of looking back on that day. The blessing of being added by the Lord to His church. Tonight, my friend, if you're not a Christian, I'll tell you, this can be a great day. This can be the best day of your life. If you will submit yourself to the Lord and come to Him in faith, repentance, and baptism, with a willingness to confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, your sins can be forgiven. And yes, you can be added by the Lord to His church where the saved are found. If you need to respond to the invitations, and I just extend it to all, please come while together we stand and while we sing.